0: Welcome to another episode of That Anita Live. I'm Anita, your host, and this is the talk show dedicated to providing emotional healing through sharing to help you create a happier life. My guest today has been through the fire of a life-threatening relationship, name-calling, nitpicking, jealous rages, even being threatened at knife point. Kim McLemore is here to not only share her story, but to share how she managed to, one, remove her abuser from her home and have him convicted and sentenced to 10 years in prison. Go, Kim. Girl. All right. <laughs> Let's start at the top, though, because mm-hmm. it doesn't start out abusive. Absolutely not. They are always Mr. Wonderful. So mm-hmm. tell me, where did you meet Mr. Wonderful? We actually
1: met right in D.C. because at the time I worked in D.C. and so we okay. had, you know, down in the train, metro station, you know, just, okay. just sharing a train. Just happened to be, you know, interested in the conversation. Mm-hmm. And then we decided to go out a few times and then it just kind of went from there. And, you know. So he
0: walked up on you on that subway platform and said, you fine, girl. Well,
1: no, no, not in that <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: No, it was just one of those situations where we're just being polite. Okay. He was being a gentleman, at okay. least I thought, yeah.
0: Okay, and then the p- train platform mm-hmm. led to a couple of dates. Correct. How did that? How did the dates go? Actually, went really well.
1: I mean, we we really synced well with each other, okay. and I mean, it got to the point where even after a few dates, we were talking about possibly having a future, and then ah. you know we just wanted to see how things worked, okay. and probably about after six months uh, to a year, we thought about you know maybe it's time that we live with each other because I felt in my mind that I need to see you more beyond just the dates.
0: So during this six months to a year period, Mm -hmm. who else on his side did you meet? Actually didn't meet anybody
1: because locally his family didn't live here. All his family was in Pennsylvania. So it was just the opportunity for us to Kind of get to continue to get to know each other. I did talk to his sister a few times and she seemed Friends, to be great. Friends, You know, I had never actually met any of his co because we just could never hit that dynamic. Okay, okay. But for me, it was one of those situations of just trying to really see him for who he is. But you know, when you're just dating, you don't get to see everything about the person.
0: Say that again.
1: When you're dating, you do not <laughs> get to see everything. And then, When we decided to try to, you know, live with each other and see how this was going to work. Because I just, because I had been married before and he had been married, his wife had died. But for me, I needed to go beyond just, oh, we're going to date and then think you're going to marry me. No, I need to see every little thing about you because none of us are perfect. Right. right. And I wasn't looking for perfection, but I definitely wanted to understand what was I going to dive into if I decided to go down
0: that path you're gonna leave that wet cup on my dining room table that, right do you pick up after yourself <laughs> do you do your own laundry I, 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 exactly okay. and, and even okay.
1: those little things probably aren't was more significant to me was mm-hmm. what how do you act when we're having a good day or a bad day you know what happens okay. when things don't go your way
0: okay those okay. are
1: the things that i needed to see mm-hmm. you know because once you've been married before you understand the little stuff mm. but when you been through heartbreak, you start to look for mm-hmm. things that you would never think about looking for in a previous relationship. Okay. So that's what those things that I was looking for. And if I felt uneasy or didn't like something, I knew that, hey, we didn't need to talk about it or we need to move on or we gotta let it go, something. But I, I don't work, live on pins and needles.
0: So he moved into your place.
1: Yes, that's correct.
0: And how did the first couple of weeks of living together go? Perfect.
1: You know, it was hey. like, oh, the perfect gentleman. I mean, okay. I couldn't ask for a better mate, quote unquote. You know, things always seem to go great. And then things probably changed probably after about a year and a half.
0: What was the first thing that you noticed that was a red flag?
1: The first red flag was just, you know how we're having a conversation now? And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden that conversation would go from, from good to hell, okay. literally in a matter of seconds and not understanding why. And like, how are you you know, what's going on here? I don't understand mm-hmm. why you're upset. Mm-hmm. Couldn't get him to really talk. And then of course when he did decide to talk, it was always somebody else's fault. And so I kept it in the back of my pocket and like, Okay, well something still isn't right here, so let me just kinda keep my eyes open. Okay, now mm-hmm.
0: who on your side did he meet?
1: He actually met all of my family. Um, probably after probably about six months, eight months after, I needed to go home and I actually wanted to invite him so I could get my family's opinion. And as time went on, I mean, they liked him, but they didn't like him. It was one of those situations, well, yeah, well, you like him, so we're gonna go ahead and support you. But they really didn't particularly care for him. They thought
0: there was something about him they didn't really like. After that first visit, mm-hmm. who was the person in your family that said, mm My mother. <laughs> <Girl>. <laughs> That mama it beat. was my mother.
1: She <laughs> She was like, I don't know about this one, but you know, we're we're here. We're gonna support you, you
2: right? Know, right. And, but
1: but there was just something. Okay. That she said something about him. I just didn't care for. And then I had a, a cousin who had also met because mm-hmm. it was a big family mm-hmm. um, holiday. I think it was. We were all there, and he was like, Yeah, something, there's something about this guy that just I don't like him.
0: Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. so we moved in together, we're doing the commute, Mm -hmm. traveling around as a couple,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: and do things begin to fall fall apart immediately, or does it kind of just do a slow descent? It, It just started to slowly descend,
1: and the reason why it was descending is because he had lost a job. I didn't know that until probably, when I started figuring it out, probably maybe about 90 days, Four months or so, it's like something was just changing. I'm like, why are you all upset all the time? Why is it that you suddenly don't have money? Because you, you can only play the game for so long. Right, right. And you know, but every day he would get up and act as if he was going to work every single day. Because even though we would take the metro, mm-hmm. you know, we would still go in two different directions. Right.
0: Eventually, eventually. Right.
1: eventually. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, okay, something is right. And then the frustration with his family it was like everything was just you could just see it going downhill going downhill and then finally of course he had to come out and tell me too because i I had to say look you you need to tell me what's going on here because now all of a sudden you can't take care of your responsibilities and then we both have responsibilities if we're going to be living here in the same household. So tell me what's going on. And then that's when I got the, oh, well, I lost my job. And by and
0: responsibilities, because mm-hmm. I need the sisters out there to know, he didn't just move in with you without any expectations of contributing financially. Respons- exactly.
1: Financially. Exactly. Oh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you don't <laughs> come live here. You, you have to bring, bring it you have to bring it to the table, and we both brought things to the table, Mm -hmm. you know, he didn't have any children, of course, and my son has grown, so, you know, it was just the two of us, but we still have responsibilities, and at the time, my son was in college, and so was I, Mm. you know, and still working a full-time job, you know, so it was just (sighs) one of those situations where, you know, either you're going to do what you say you're going to do, or you can't be here, and then as he kept losing jobs, you know, he would get one, lose it, get one, I'm like, okay, what is the real problem here? It can't be everybody else's fault and his biggest problem is never wanting to take responsibility for anything. Okay. And so then finally we got to the point where I just said enough is enough, I can't do this anymore. I can't, I'm not gonna take care of a grown man. Mm. It's time for you to go, go on your own, you know, then the hanging out and doing things he, you wouldn't normally see him do. I mean, he just turned into a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Wow. Literally within a matter of a year and a half or so. Mm-hmm. Once we made the decision that we wanted to, you know, so called let it go Mm -hmm. and move on and he really just couldn't let it go. So as things progressed he became the monster is what I call him and you'll find that there's a chapter in my book that I've written that Mm -hmm. talks specifically about this individual. I refuse to say this individual's name if you noticed and I do that because to me he was not a human being, he was a total monster. He turned into be the worst individual I've ever met in my entire life. The man put me through hell. In a, in a very short period of time, I went from you know, possibility that he tried to kidnap me at knife point. Okay, hold on. Mm-hmm.
0: Cause I need some of that unpacked. Yes. Tell me, okay, we talked about the little stuff as far as nickpicking, mm-hmm. name calling. Mm-hmm. What was the first incident that really gave you a shock or a jolt?
1: The, the first incident really was, we were driving, um, I think we were going to church earlier, leaving from church. And he got pulled over for speeding, and it was just his, the way he reacted to not so much the officer, but to me. He got a ticket, and it wasn't even my fault. I'm like, well, why are you not carrying your driver's right, license? Right. I mean, I would never think to ask you, or you got your driver's license. Right. You know, so he just, just the stupidity things that would come out. And then every time, whether he was upset at me or something, and it was never really about me, it was always him or somebody else, I would be the, the bad person. So as time goes on, you know you're seeing these things. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, this isn't this isn't gonna work for me. You know, <laughs> I don't I don't live like that, and I, I don't want to be walking around my own household that mm-hmm. I own and take care of mm-hmm. on pins and needles. Right. wasn't gonna happen. So like I said, when we decided to make some, but wait, let me backtrack a little bit. We actually even went through counseling. Because Whoa. we went to church together, and he's like, "Oh, I want to do some counseling. I want to, you know, work on Did me." You? And that lasted all of five minutes. Now,
0: this counseling was—we need to get a counseling, or was this? We were doing counseling because he wanted counseling. to
1: marry me. Mar- he wanted to marry me, and I was like, "Okay, you know, we could." But this was before things got ugly, mm-hmm. so I had accepted the, the offer, of course. And then I said, "But for me, I would like to go through the marriage counseling and all the things because these are things that." I feel that it will help and benefit to understand yeah. who we are as individuals. Yeah. Because like I so said, you're only seeing the shell and everybody it has a representative. Yes. That's how mm-hmm. we all meet each other because we want mm-hmm. everybody to see the best of us. Mm-hmm. But I was seeing things that were not the best of him anymore. So you get
0: into counseling mm-hmm. with the good pastor. Yes. And the good pastor has the individual counseling session with you and says He had it actually with us together before so we even had we didn't even
1: make it to the individuals. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he said I, you know, I'm gonna talk to you after we get done. I don't think we lasted maybe 15, 20 minutes in the counseling and he says, you need to leave him and you need to do it now.
0: Good pastor.
1: I mean, it was instant. He could just see, cause this was a gentleman that supposedly, you know, he introduced me to this church, had been going there for years. But see they didn't see him outside of church yeah. and that's how i told him this is there's something going on and i could not figure it out mm-hmm. but i can't live with the person who wants to argue with me every night mm-hmm. you know i don't care whether you're, you're having a good day or a bad day it would always be my fault
0: well, give me an example of the name calling
1: well there's some things i can't say actually on tv it was that bad he
0: would call you it was there would be name? some
1: things that would be said that even okay. god's ears as i always say would just have to close. Okay, so to what screen. are some of
0: the things that he would nitpick on you about?
1: Well, okay, let me just give you some of the basic as far as, mm-hmm. oh, well, nobody else is ever going to want you anyway, mm-hmm. you know, and you're not good enough for anybody. Look mm-hmm. at you. You're, you're just mm-hmm. pathetic. Mm-hmm. You know, constantly finding whatever negative thing he could find, mm-hmm. he would find it. Even if there was nothing wrong, it was always, like I said, my
0: fault. Just 15 minutes in the pastor's office and he and said- actually, he actually came to our home.
1: No. And did it. Yeah. And it was, yeah, he was like, Yo, you know, you got to get out of this. So was
0: that it for you? Was that the point? Absolutely. Of you made?
1: Absolutely. I already knew uh-huh. I was coming to that point because I could not continue living under that constant worry about, well, when is the next time he's going to get angry? And I was getting frustrated. And you know what happens when two people get frustrated, mm-hmm. you start to go down a path that you don't want to go and it could be devastating. And I knew at that point that if I continued to be in that relationship, we probably both would have been behind bars.
0: Tell me about the day he tried to kidnap you.
1: I was actually going into I do I'm a Zoom instructor and so I was actually going to a class with the instructor who had actually trained me. And I was on the elevator with probably three or four other people because of the building we were in at the time, it it just it was only a couple floors, but I was too lazy to walk up the steps. So if mm-hmm. I had actually walked to that, I would have actually seen him first, okay. but decided to, no, I'm gonna get on the elevator, save my little energy for the class, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, got up there, and as soon as the elevator opened, there he is standing, a knife probably this long and this thick. Everybody, of course, is screaming, yelling, I'm trying to get everybody off of the elevator safely, and I'm trying to stay on the elevator. he's trying to pull me off the elevator and tell me, no, you're coming with me. I said, no, I'm not, because today I'm not gonna die. This is not the day. And so of course, you know, we fought, I got away. And then of course, as a coward that he is, he ran out the building and of course, police are all over the place. So it was just, it was just ridiculously crazy. Yeah. And he ran, Um, he was on the run for a while, was in Tennessee, got caught in Tennessee and had to be brought back.
0: We'll be right back. (laughs) Hey, to unpack the rest of Kim's story and how she now uses that story to help others.
2: What if I told you that you could stop the negative tape from playing inside your head? What if, with seven simple steps, you could leave the pain of the past behind and live every day as your true, authentic self? It is possible, and you can do it. The ebook, Seven Simple Steps to Beat Emotional Baggage. How to Become Whole, Healed, Healthy, and Happy shares how to resolve emotional baggage and feel free to live true to your own personality spirit and character transform negative thinking into positive thinking and become equipped to boldly face your past and resolve emotional pain Get your free copy at ThatAnitaLive.com ebook.
0: And we're back. We're back with Ms. Kim McLemore and her extraordinary story of surviving mm-hmm. a life-threatening domestic violence relationship. How did you get him out of your home?
1: Through police, of course. Because um, the, first, the first time I was actually hit, uh, that, that was probably the most devastating point, and that was something I did not want to get to. And when he hit me, my life really changed forever at that point, and that's when all the other incidences started happening, mm-hmm. because I had went through, um, like most women won't do, but I decided to utilize the system, the way it should be utilized.
2: Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Um, you know, I actually had him, of course, kicked out of home, but he was slick, and he had me kicked out of my own home for like, forty-eight hours, and then I had to actually go to court to get back into my own house. Rewind. Yes, he push pit. Yes. It was how did that crazy. happen? Because he's when when you're a con artist, yes. you you know what to do. Mm-hmm. You know how to they utilize know how to the, work system, the system, yes, right? They do. I wasn't familiar with that lifestyle, and they came to me after we had the incident. Like, okay, we're going to separate. us. I just need him out of my home. This is my home. You know, I'm taking care of mm-hmm. everything. It's mm-hmm. time. You, you know, you're not working. It's time for you to go. So they, you know, kicked him out. Of course, that was after I come out of the hospital because I was end up in the hospital after that first incident and. Then when I came back home the next day, the police escorted me back, and that probably I don't know, maybe a couple hours later, they're knocking back on my door. I'm like, "Why are you people here?" Well, you're going to have to leave, and why are you serving me paper? Well, he went and said that I beat him up. I'm like, "Excuse me? Does this look like this is what I've I've done to him? Mm -hmm. I did this to myself." So basically, I had to leave my home for 48 hours, and he was in my home. Mm -hmm. I had to go to court that, and it was over holidays. I had to wait till Tuesday to go to court, serve, have him serve with the paper and kicked out within less than 20, he couldn't even come back into the home. Everything had to be set outside. Mm-hmm. And from that point on, it was, it was just hell. I was jumped coming into my house one evening cause some idiot let them in the door. Cause at the apartment at the time I was actually living in an apartment mm-hmm. and the way that they were laid out, you know, people will just come in randomly mm-hmm. and not think about, well, what we see your face. They, so they figured he was still there. No, you, I'm sure y'all have seen the police, but you yes. gonna let this individual yes. in the mm-hmm. home. So I had to fight him off then, you know, so it was constantly always something. Finally got moved out of there, moved into another place. And I come out one day and there was scratches and stuff all over my vehicle. So he figured out where I was at, you know, called and had threatened me on many vacations of, oh, you know, I'm gonna have somebody blow your head off. I won't use the explicit oh. words that were, you know, so it was always something, but I will say that working with the detectives yeah. and the police, they were phenomenal. Alexandria Police Department, I praise them every day. I know there are many times that we're very scared right. of the police department, but that was one time that they really truly had my back. Because I don't, I mean, it's not like something you deal with every day, right. but right. knowing that they're, this something that they don't like in domestic violence is very huge at the top of the list, mm-hmm. and they explained to me, you know, we can help you, but if you have to be willing to, to help do yourself. your part, yes, and that's the problem with most women when they get into these situations, they think once the individual is gone out of their home that they're safe. Mm-hmm. The reality is you're not safe because all they do is they go right to somebody else. And I said, mm-hmm. you know what? If I can prevent this from happening from to any other woman, I will do whatever is necessary to make sure that that jerk is behind bars. So
0: how did? Did you have to testify in court?
1: I did. Yeah,
0: how did he come to be convicted of 10 years?
1: Because of all the incidences that happened and then him leaving out he actually had 11 felony charges and with him leaving out of state and them having to extradite him back Mm -hmm. and I mean he he broke all the rules no matter what he was told to do no matter how much paperwork was there Mm -hmm. he was going to do it his way period. And the judge told him that he, cause I can remember, her, I'll never forget this woman as long as I live, little tiny little thing, sitting up there in her little judge outfit and she's sitting there, she says, she asked him, well, why are you so angry with her all the time? He's like, I don't know. He, he said, well, let me explain something to you. I'm gonna give you plenty of time to think about it. Ooh. And that's exactly what they did. She slapped 10 years and said, you have more enough time and then we'll get you some tests too. it's <laughs> she's like, you, you got a problem. Mm. Yeah, mm. you got a problem, but. Was the, that
0: rel- relieving for you?
1: It was, it was because I actually felt at that point in my life I could actually live, you know, because every day I was literally had to have people know where I was at Mm 24-7 Um, you know, I, I couldn't come and go the way I really wanted to. I lived I felt like I was still living in prison myself because every door would be locked, but within every door I would have a chair sitting up by the lock, anything to make sure that I felt safe.
0: Hypervigilance, yes. Yeah. Do you still experience any of the triggers from that physical or that emotional abuse?
1: Um, not as much anymore today. I think probably the first couple of years it was really rough. Um I mean I couldn't sleep didn't eat well. I actually had to have people in my home to, to watch me sleep because I the the fear of, mm-hmm. you know, that this person's going to come back, you know, you you live with that. You know, you, I tried to go through some counseling and so forth, but the thing I didn't like about the counseling was the fact that you can counsel me all day, but you don't understand what I'm going through because you've never been through what I've yeah. been through. Yeah. You know, you can give me all the advice in the world, but what I learned was for me the writing and actually talking about it and mm-hmm. realizing that that was a healing process for me and making other people understand that it affects people who are around you, it just doesn't affect the victim. Mm.
0: Was there anything specific that you used to actually work through some of the triggers that would happen from emotional and mental abuse?
1: (sighs) Trying to think, I'm not really sure. I think that all of it was probably very dramatic. I, I guess one good incident that really helped me work through, I was going to work one day and I happened to be parked and, and I'm looking across the street, getting ready to get out, and then all of a sudden I see this man that literally looked a lot like him from a distance. Okay. And I just like lost it in my car. And I'm just going off in my head and you know talking to myself and thinking, and I and I literally had to sit back for a second and say, wait a minute, There's no way this person can get on this base anyway. So you just need to calm down. You need to really understand what you're going through. Mm -hmm. And so it was for me, another opportunity to say, okay, you've got to be able to move forward. You can't continue to lean on every little thing because unfortunately, there are a lot of black bald men. (laughs) You know, and you guys have a panic a, attack right, every time I've every see seen one, right. and that really was a trigger for me. I mean, it was really sad. Even, even I make a point in the book to talk about the fact that I would never date another black bald man in my life, you know, because that was a trigger. But of course, I definitely have gotten over that, you know. But it took many years because actually, um, it's been almost seven years, you know, before I actually let brought the book out. Of it. I wrote it six years ago. So,
0: do you think you'll experience any? at the 10-year mark when you think he's been released? Uh, he's
1: actually been released. We're at that um, mark uh, and no, I'm fine. I, I know exactly where the individual is again and unfortunately, he actually went back. So I'm not sure how many more years he will be in there. Woo! Yeah, same, same thing. Isn't that
0: good? Yes, yeah. So let's roll through the memoir, Deception of the Heart. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to call out a few titles, the chapter titles. Mm-hmm. And then you tell me, just give me a little overview of what that chapter is about. Okay. Like, what would the reader get or learn from that chapter? Okay. Deception. It talks
1: about how deceiving, you know, people can be, and mm-hmm. trying to get people to understand that deception is used in a word, in a way that is usually not in the right way. But I was okay. trying to convey in the book on that chapter that. How hurt I was, you know Mm -hmm. that somebody could be so deceptive. You know, a person who tells you every day that they love you, but love shouldn't hurt. You know, Mm -hmm. love should not hurt. Mm -hmm. You know, and and that was what I was trying to get convey in that chapter was making people
0: understand what does deception really look like. Yeah, love doesn't hurt. It isn't disrespectful. Exactly. It not condescending. Girl, don't get me started. (laughs) The anger.
1: I was so angry like i said most of the time that you know i wanted people to hear my anger in the book i wanted them to feel as i wrote this book i want people to be in my shoes i want them to understand the process that you go through and that it's okay Okay. that you're going through this but you have to know how to come out of it and that's the best the biggest step reliving the wounds reliving the wounds is really about Seeing those things like I just talked about, you know, seeing that man across the street Mm -hmm. or somebody saying the wrong thing, you know, how do you get through that? What do you do when you feel that moment? Mm -hmm. You know, those are the things I try to teach in the book that for every painful minute or moment that you're going through in Mm -hmm. life, you can't stay stuck on it. You have to stop being the victim. And I think you and I have talked a little bit about this before when Mm -hmm. we met, where I don't like to be called, you know, a survivor. I was surviving when I was going through that shit, excuse my language, Mm -hmm. you know, but I'm no longer that, I am my own hero because I decided to make the decision to continue to move forward in my life and to do something that's gonna benefit me and other individuals because domestic violence is not just about women. Like I said, it affects everybody that's a part of your life. You know, when I thought I was protecting my son, I thought I was protecting my family, I thought I was protecting my coworkers, Mm -hmm. to know that I could walk through, walk into my job after being just beat three or four days prior to that and act like nothing went was wrong, that's not helping anyone. And it was, certainly wasn't helping myself. Wow. So trying to get people to understand that domestic violence is something that needs to be talked about every single day. You don't talk about it in October. Mm-hmm. You don't talk about it because the new Me Too movement is out. You talk about it every day because it happens every day. And it's unfortunate that we even have to have a conversation, but you also have to understand that you need to know how to come out of it. You need to take the proper steps in order to, to live a good life, because you deserve that. And that's the one thing I had to learn is that I deserve to be happy.
0: Do you experience any timidity or reservation when you date now? A little bit, um, and not
1: so much reservation, I'm just more focused on things that I would like, would never would have thought about asking or thinking about. Such as? Well, for instance, if I hear a certain tone in your voice, mm-hmm. or you know, you're fine one day, and the next minute you got, you act like you're a doctor, I'm done. I'm out. No <laughs> sense in no time, because I've learned in life you can't change people. Mm. They're who they are. Yeah. And you're either going to accept them for who they are, or you're going to continue to move forward until you feel comfortable, you know, about what it is that makes you happy. Because there is no such thing as we know as perfection, but we do know that you can still be happy without feeling like you got to live on pins and needles.
0: Now, what is, what is your hope or your vision for your book?
1: My vision is to be able to just reach out and help that one person that needs it. I've met many women just in the last several months um, with my few book signings that I've had because I started my first ones in uh, March and then I have a book tour coming up this fall and it just amazed me how many women in that room which shocked me more that they stood up in front of people they didn't even know and talked about them being in current domestic violence abuse relationships and needed to know a way out
0: as you know domestic violence is a cause near and dear to my heart I will always showcase glowing examples of how to survive all year long, not just during Domestic Violence Awareness Month of October. Kim provided us with a lot of great information about how to deal with bad relationships. Don't ever be embarrassed that you made a mistake. The most important thing is to survive. If you are currently in need of help, please reach out. You can dial the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE. That's 1-800-799-7233. If you'd like to reach out to Kim, visit wsbillc.com. I'm Anita, your host. Be sure to check out that thatanitalive.com for where and when to see our next episode.